One and all, back to Grave Discussions. I am one of your ghoulish hosts, Barnabas. And I am your other host, the lesser one, Samio. Oh, no, no, we're both equal, trust me. Welcome back, boils and ghouls, to episode 102, The Tapes and Shapes. Dun, dun, dun. You may have an idea if you've been keeping up with the recent comings in horror, what mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm super excited. I'm excited to be back. Uh, finally, you know, all of you who are listening, you <laughs> may have kind of lost touch with Grave Discussions. I know it's been kind of a, a crazy year, and this is only our second episode of the year. Um, but you know, if you've been around for a while, then you probably know the deal. You know, we both live in like separate places now. We're both very busy. And so we haven't had as much time, unfortunately, to record as much as we want to, but we still very much love grave discussions and we are here for this episode and hopefully we will be uh, putting out more episodes as time goes by, but it is October. It's right before Halloween, uh, as of this recording. And so as always, we got to put something out for you guys for Halloween. And so that's what this episode is going to be all about. We're covering two of the most prominent horror movies to come out this month. And yeah, I'm just thrilled. I'm super thrilled. We always take like a little hiatus ever since, you know, our living situations changed. Obviously, life happens and then, you know, we have to adapt to the changes. And we're trying our best now, given with given everything that we're dealing with. And we're trying to make a comeback because we don't want people to forget about us because we definitely have not forgotten about you guys. Yeah, I mean, nothing's changed as far as like our passion for horror and also our passion for doing this podcast in general. So, I mean, we still plan on sticking around for as long as humanly possible. Don't worry about that. Um, And hopefully we haven't lost a beat as far as like podcasting goes. You know, um, actually, I was uh, you may have heard, but I was on our good friend the caretakers podcast uh called the midnight reel not too long ago where where uh, we spoke about signs so that kind of let me get back into the podcasting groove of things so that was fun um so quick plug to them go check out the midnight reel that's hosted by our good friend the caretaker uh and brendan so they're awesome they cover uh not just horror movies but a bunch of other films usually like older films um but they're both great the podcast is great. Go check them out um, as well, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And then um, also sad to say, I can't remember for the life of me if this happened um, before, like when we did episode 101. But if you're unaware, uh, the podcast network that we were under, Sports Radio Detroit, is officially now uh, deceased. Um, so RIP to SRD. R.I.P.S.R.D. We'll miss you and thank you for everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank shout you. Shout out Rogelio. Yeah. Shout outs for sure to everybody. Um, so hopefully people are still doing their podcasts as well, like over under fair and all them. But um, yeah, sad to say, but you know, Grave Discussions is still here. We're still around. So n- nothing really has changed. You just may not be hearing any more uh, like promos from <laughs> SRD on the show, but that's fine. Um, other than that, though, before we dive into the movies, I mean, Sam, any like just anything you want to say? I mean, regarding you, what's been going on with you or just like your thoughts on horror this year in general? I think horror this year is doing a lot better than it was last year and in 2020. In 2020, everything was kind of getting released low key. Like, what was it? Host and all that stuff was just just coming out of the blue and just hitting Mm -hmm. us with random movies. And they weren't really getting the exposure necessary. But now that COVID is starting to die down, the vaccines are coming out. The variants are becoming less deadly because of mutations and stuff like that. People are being more comfortable going out to the movies i mean we have terrifier 2 that came out this year we have barbarian we have smile we have vhs we have halloween ends there's just just a slew of films coming out this year i think this is a really good year for horror it's kind of been low-key the past two years kind of like it was in the underground you know like everything was just super quiet and everything was kind of like word of mouth through online or you know, you just open up Shutter and you'll see new release. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. how stuff would come out. I mean, we had that new series, The Watcher, come out on Netflix, which I watched. It was pretty dope. I mean, there's a lot of st- old people, right? There's yeah. a lot of stuff that's just like even still coming out like right out of the blue as well, just like in 2021 and 2020. But n- now that, you know, all the all the death and fear is starting to hopefully soon come to a really really abrupt halt due to the vaccinations and people being a lot more careful i mean i i think i think we're gonna start going in like the right direction now i mean mm-hmm. we have we have like video on demand we have movie theaters like everything's booming now and i hope it continues because like i i was kind of bummed like the past two years like horror was like really like on the back burner it seemed and you really had to like dig and you know read articles and all that stuff to find out all the good stuff that was coming out because i mean well before the epidemic or pandemic whatever you want to call it like the last thing we saw in the theaters was what color out of space and then like Mm -hmm. we just had to like just sit at home for basically like a year till covid died down and everything and I'm, i'm glad everything's picking back up because it's been it's it's been too quiet for my liking i mean you remember 2019 2018 like Mm -hmm. movies were coming out left and right like boom boom articles movies movies trailers trailers and then it kind of died down in like 2020 and 2021 so i'm just i'm just really glad that horror is making a comeback especially now during spooky season i mean even while i'm at work a lot of my clients like to go to spirit halloween so Mm -hmm. i hit up spirit halloween and party city maybe three or four times a week and it's good to get in the groove of spooky season because i started off slow in september i was kind of bummed I had that stuff with my heart going on. I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was. My magnesium was low. My potassium was low. I found out, though, recently that um, my uh, my arrhythmia was actually being caused by the fact that a lot of the vape juices in multiple states have mm-hmm. been being replaced with synthetic nicotine, mm-hmm. and that was messing with my heart. I switched back to regular nicotine, and now I'm back to normal. No arrhythmia, no going to the hospital, no scares. And once I figured that out, I was actually able to like get up and start decorating and going places and not being scared of my heart, like flopping around and like <laughs> trying to kill me, you know, because yeah. that's really what what put spooky season on the back burner for me was my health problems. But 
it was like the first or second weekend of October. I put up my decorations. I put like a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre like cover on my front door. I got zombies hanging from my windows. We got the tombstones. We got a body bag hanging from our tree. Like nice. this spooky season's good. It started a little bit late for me, but you know, better late than never. Mm-hmm. And really, what spooky season is about is going to the store, seeing all the spooky stuff, seeing all the spooky movies. It's not really about the one day Halloween, which is basically the exclamation mark. It's about just like Christmas. It's about the Christmas cheer, you know, mm-hmm. like Halloween is about spooky season, movie marathons, uh, like spooky events. Like right now, Dead by Daylight has the Haunted by Daylight event going on for Halloween. Like all the stores have like, you know, Halloween stuff out in costumes and brand new like slip covers for movies that are like Halloween based, like trick or treat and Halloween and we got new Blu-rays coming out and stuff like that. I mean, it is a great year for spooky season. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, first of all, I want to say that I'm glad you're pretty much back to normal. You know, it's very yeah, important to be you. healthy. And um, it it's, it's just good to not have to feel like shit when you're trying to do basic life things. And so um, I'm happy that things are, are going okay. But so for everybody else, just, you know, take care of yourselves, uh, make sure you're healthy and, and yeah, but, uh, I, I agree completely with everything you said. Uh, I still got to record like our place and show you like all the, uh, Halloween decorations. We you put do, up. you've only, you only showed me, you've showed me a few so far. I got to yeah. show you like, well, I still got this, as you can see, I'm, I'm in my spooky room right now. Like this is every day's Halloween in this room. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to see yours. I want to see everything you've done, and mm-hmm. you got to let me know if you end up going to that haunted house. You know, I'm I'm one text away always. You got to let mm-hmm. me know how that shit went because I really want to go next week to a haunted house. I mean, I haven't been this year. Last year, I went to this place in Indianapolis called Hannah Haunted Acres. So you go through three haunted houses. Nice. You go through a corn maze, and then you go on a haunted hayride. So you get on a tractor, mm-hmm. and they drive you through the woods, and the woods have you know, the spooky actors and then giant animatronic decorations in the woods. It was amazing. Nice. Check out Hannah Haunted Acres in Indianapolis if you're in the area. And you need to tell them about the little haunted house you're going to, sir. Yeah. Well, so we actually have gone to something already. We went to Blake's, actually. Um, Blake's uh, Big Apple here in Michigan. Uh, They always do, like, you know, Halloween stuff during October. And uh, this year... They had, I think, their usual, but they also had a haunted hayride. I will say, not quite as uh, thrilling as it was, like several years ago. I went like a while back, like pre-COVID, and uh, you know, it, it was a little bigger and better for me. But it was still fun. Um, they were also doing like zombie paintball, but we didn't do that. Uh, and then, oh, that's the place that was doing the zombie paintball. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. Yeah, I, I think they started doing it like a couple years or a few years maybe pre-COVID. I could be wrong, but. Um, yeah, we didn't do that, but they also had a haunted like barn. It was kind of like more your standard haunted house. That was pretty fun. Um, and then they had like uh, this like kid area and, and all that, but it was cool. That was a cool experience. We were supposed to be going to this place called the Rotten Manor here in Holly, Michigan, um, which I think is like was voted one of the top five like haunted houses in the state or something. So it looks cool, like cool as hell from the from the outside. Like when you drive past it, it looks dope. So we're hoping to go there and maybe Azra as well. That's kind of like the premier haunted house uh, here in the state. But we'll see about that. But yeah. Yeah, it seems like Erebus has been dying down. No one really talks about Erebus anymore. 
not a, yeah, not a ton of people go there. I guess it's so pretty popular, but Azra kind of superseded it as like the the haunted house to be, you know, um, in like Metro Detroit. So that's fair though. I think Azra is probably a little better anyway. It's like bigger, I think. Where is Azra? At? Like which city? Uh, I think it's like Madison Heights. So like Madison oh, Heights, Detroit area. It, that's not the one at the laser tag center, is I it? I think it is. Yeah, I think so. Dude, I went I went to that one. Um, you're right. I went to that mm-hmm. one back in 2018, dude. And I was stoned out of my mind. <laughs> and like, dude, there was like strobe lights going off. You couldn't see yeah. anything. And I, I fell and busted my knee, which was already hurt. <laughs> dude, I got and lost like, in one of the fucking like uh, actors, like little cubbies. Because <laughs> it was so oh, no disorienting. Way. Yeah, it was so disorienting. It was. <clears throat> Sorry. Did you have to do? Did you have to go through that part where you have to push through the room that's like balloons, like the room is like I, inflated, and you have to go downhill and push through like the walls that are caving in on you? Yeah, that kind of sounds familiar. There was like a bunch of those little segments though where you have to like push through this tight fucking hole or like go yes. through this fog and shit. Like it's super disorienting. It's like, dude, I did that and I was on a ramp and mm. it was going downward, and that's when I busted my ass because like. <laughs> I was trying to push through quick, but I didn't yeah. know we were on a slope because I'm fucking stupid <laughs> and I busted my shit. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what happened, but it was like the super disorienting and like dark part of it. And so, you know, it's hard to tell like where you're supposed to go. And so I ended up like going in somewhere and I was like, oh, fuck, like it's tight in here. And then all I hear is like one of the actors going like, you're not supposed to be in there. Like, come back out. And I was so embarrassed, dude. It was like fucking super embarrassing i had to like come out and i was like sorry and then i had to like they had to point me back on like the right path i was like jesus when you were when you when you were waiting in line do you remember like the giant fog machines just blowing at you while you were standing in line yeah i think they had like fog machines and they had those like fire performers off on the side and shit too okay yeah Yeah, so yeah i went i went there with ahmed and bilal back in like 2018 and like dude it was like ridiculous i was honestly i was so stoned and i was fucking (laughs) They were looking at us, and the guy looked at Ak. He's like, "You might make it." He looked at Billy. He's like, "You might make it." And then he looked at me. He's like, "You're definitely not gonna make it." And I was like, "Bitch." <laughs> well, I mean, you did bust your ass, so you yeah. would have you would have been dead if it was a real killer right there, probably. I I grabbed one of the actor's faces on accident, so I got lost. Oh, really? And I thought and I thought it was Ahmed. So <laughs> I'm like reaching and I'm touching what I think is Ahmed's shoulder, uh-huh. and I was like, "Ahmed, is that you?" And then I hear. <laughs> and it was oh, one of the actors it was a really short girl and she wouldn't break character i'm like oh my and i was like That's touching dedication. her eyeball i was like oh, poking wow. her face i was like i was like poking her face i was like oh my god i'm sorry i thought you were my friend she's like get moving and i just ran away <laughs> that's probably not the worst thing like that's ever happened to her at the haunted house unfortunately but uh yeah it's 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 super fun so i'm hoping to go again um as far as this year in horror goes i definitely think it's it's the best year in horror that we've had for probably several years like you said uh, you know obviously the 2020 sucked ass for many reasons but it definitely didn't do any favors for horror 2021 you started to kind of see a a resurgence but then this year i think uh, has definitely been the best year in a long time ever since probably like 20 like 2017 2018 when the whole like jordan peele uh and like hereditary like ari aster kind of renaissance really kicked off but this year we've gotten like so many great movies like all the ones that you said we got nope uh we got like you said terrifier 2 which i'm still hoping maybe one day we could eventually get like damian leone or 
uh, Art the Clown, David Howard Thornton on here, something like that. We'd love to talk to them, but Terrifier 2 has been just performing incredibly um, for like a low budget indie film in the theaters. So uh, yeah, but so many awesome movies coming out this year and I'm super pumped. We still got more to go. Like Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities coming out on Netflix in like a few yes. days and that looks fucking crazy we got jordan peele's wendell and wild um just so much other stuff coming out this year that we can't possibly hope to like cover it all but today we are going to be covering as i said before two of the more prominent horror films to come out in october of 2022 we're going to be covering vhs 99 and of course the controversial Halloween ends. Are you excited as we are? Because we're pretty excited. Yeah, I'm super excited. I think uh, really there's a lot to talk about with both of these films. And so honestly, dude, I'm ready to just jump right into it if you are. I was born ready, sir. Hell yeah. All right. So folks, we're going to take uh, a brief intermission just to let you guys go piss or grab a snack or water or whatever scratch your, scratch your balls jack off whatever you're trying to do <laughs> now's right. the time that's right so uh stay with us we'll be back in just one minute here on grave discussions And welcome back, Gravers, to episode 102 of Grave Discussions. We are starting off with the uh, first movie discussion of this kind of demented double feature that we have for you tonight. And the first film that we're going to be talking about is none other than VHS 99. It just dropped on Shutter, and I was like, tis the season, my friends, tis the fucking season. So we turned that shit on. I had my pulled pork that my girlfriend made. It slapped so hard. Nice. She was the best cook ever. We had some mac. We had some potatoes and sausage. And we had some snacks. And we kicked back. And we watched it. Yeah. It, it was a... I'll say it was a really cool viewing experience. I, I really like the VHS movies just for that aspect. Because, you know, anthologies in general just kind of allow you to uh, kick back, put your feet up, and just enjoy the multitude of stories right and especially with the way that vhs has been going recently like it started off with the very first film and even the second film in many aspects like kind of more serious horror i would say but yeah since i don't know what's which one started it because i don't remember viral very well i know that people don't particularly like viral <laughs> but i like viral I, okay well I can't remember it very well, to be honest. That was the one with like the skateboarding. Uh, and shit. Most people don't really yeah. like it. Yes, but I don't know. That's if it the, was... that's one of the main things I remember. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know if it was that film or '94 that's kind of started. Like some of the segments tend to skew a little more, a little more comedic, or if not comedic, just a little more like fun. You know what I mean? Tongue in cheek. Yeah. So I know VHS '94 had some aspects of it i would say that this one was probably the most like heavily influenced by by that particular kind of mood you know what i mean like I most agree. of yes. most of the segments had 
had uh, some like, I guess kind of, yeah, tongue in cheek or comedic factor to them. Um, Especially like the last like couple last really like the last three segments sort of, but I think it completely fits like the theme of the film. You know, again, this is VHS 99. And so it's set like right around the new millennium. It, it, it covers all of those like stereotypical 90s things um, like the fucking like game shows, like the one segment, which is practically it's not a complete ripoff, but it, it's very uh, similar to all those like 90s, early 2000s game shows like uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple and stuff. Yes, yes. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, this is very Nickelodeon-esque. And it, it, mm-hmm. it brings back nostalgia. If you're a 90s baby, I think like, it'll tug at your heartstrings a little bit. And the thing that I thought was cool about this, this movie had six different directors. Like I thought it was pretty sick. Like Ozzy's dungeon was directed by flying Lotus shredding was directed by Maggie Levin. The gawkers was Tyler McIntyre, the suicide bid, which was Johannes Roberts and Joseph and Vanessa winters directed to Helen back, which was my favorite segment, honestly. Yeah, that one uh, has really been kind of blowing up. You know, that that particular segment, I think, is kind of like the uh, storm drain of VHS 94 yeah, for this for particular sure. uh, entry. And I can see why. I mean, it was definitely, I think, the most creative and the most entertaining of all the uh, stories in VHS 99. And um, if uh, our listeners are unaware, that particular segment... Uh, was directed by one of the directors of the new Shutter original Deadstream, and actually features uh, one of the leads, well, the main lead from that film, uh, in it as well. And uh, so that guy's pretty hilarious, honestly. And Joseph Winter seems like a a good comedy horror director, and he's definitely showcased it in in both of those films. And uh, if you have not seen Deadstream yet, check it out just a quick aside because I also watched that recently and, and that was a ton of fun. Like probably one of the most fun horror experiences I've had this year, if not in the past couple of years, cause it's very much kind of like evil dead. Yeah. Evil dead. Yeah. Like a live streamed evil dead <laughs> in like a haunted house. It kind of um, reminded me of a uh, resident evil seven too. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that a little bit, especially like, uh, I actually was, was telling my fiance when I was watching it, like the, the main ghost or whatever. Um, God, I forget her. I forget the character's name now, but, um, her, like she reminded me of the mom sort of from resident evil seven. Yes. Yes. So that's exactly what I thought, dude. Yeah. That's wild. I I watched it. I think it was, uh, last Monday or Tuesday or something. I mm-hmm. thought it was fair. Um, I love the found footage. I thought the main character was annoying. I hated his voice. He was kind of bitchy. Yeah. But yeah, but he was supposed was, to be like that. You know? Exactly. You're supposed and to I, not really like him. And it, it was just like dash cam, you know, like you, you're not rooting for the main character. And uh, I thought it was fun. And everyone's like little critique of it online. It's like th- all these movies are starting to be fun. It's like, and I saw you comment. You're like, what the fuck's wrong with fun movies? Like, yeah, do, do we really want to be psychologically disturbed? <laughs> You can you can be psychologically disturbed and also have fun. I don't yeah. I don't think those two are mutually exclusive things. You know what I mean? Like same yeah. way you can be happy and sad at the same time. You can be grossed out and amused at the same time. It's not those aren't mutually exclusive things. So the people saying like these movies are too fun, like you're I'm sorry, but like you completely missed the point of the genre. We watch horror. It's fun to watch horror movies. 
you mm-hmm. really sit there just in sheer terror of every horror movie you watch or are you having fun because i watch horror movies to have fun yeah and here's the thing too you know it's like are you the same people who will like blow fucking 80s horror movies asses up because those movies did basically the same thing the thing with like 80s horror and some 90s horror and stuff in the 90s it started to become a little more self-aware but especially in the 80s you know all these like cheesy slashers and everything people love the campiness but the thing is you know that those movies were not really necessarily trying to be super funny all the time but they still ended up giving off that camp energy yeah Um, and and that's not always necessarily a good thing you know it's like when you're creating a horror movie like that generally you are crafting it in a way where you are trying to visualize a certain uh, mood evoke a certain atmosphere right and so if you're trying to make something serious but it comes off as funny then that's not exactly successful like maybe with our rose tinted glasses we can look back at that and say like oh you know i love how campy it is and that's exactly the type of style that a lot of filmmakers now are trying to emulate because that's how it was but there's nothing wrong with like trying to create a fun and effective you know horror comedy and actually pulling that off because it's very similar to the movies that we used to love you know now it's just people are doing it with more purpose but I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, it's still enjoyable if it's meant to be an entertaining film and it pulls that off, then, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. If you want to watch something that's like super scary, then go watch that. Yeah, I think people are just weird and like you can never satisfy horror fans. Like if (laughs) if you do one thing, they'll be like, well, why didn't you do this? And then you do this thing. They're like, well, that was too much of that. Why are we doing that? And then if you try to do something allegorical, they're like, it's artsy fartsy. It's pretentious. And if you try to do something that follows a formula, it's cliche and all this stuff. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what do you want? Do you just want us to like frame by frame remake all like the 80s so you can relive your wonder years? Like, no, that's not what this is about. Like, we need new shit. And it's not for everybody. Are 80s horror movies for everybody? Fuck no, dude. And all the people bitching are mostly 80s fans that like, Look, I love 80s slash as much as the next person, but, like, you have to admit, like, 80s movies, especially the slashers, were bad. Like, they were bad, my guy. Like, they weren't, like, these fantastic masterpieces. Like, they weren't, Mm -hmm. they weren't hereditary. They weren't fucking the witch. They weren't the lighthouse. They were just goofy and a quick cash grab to, like, capitalize on the success of Halloween and Friday the 13th. And and then we had mm-hmm. like new stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street. And then people still complain about Nightmare on Elm Street. Like Dream Demon, that's stupid. So it's like, dude, like the fans are what's killing the genres. I'm sorry to say, but like mm-hmm. it's because like you can't satisfy them. They're like literal, they're children. Horror fans are literally children. Like, and it's okay not to like a film, but to say like, I didn't like it because it did this, this, and this. And then the movies that do X, Y, and Z that you were complaining don't have it are cliche. Like, so what do you want? Like, just go watch your 80s movies. If, if modern horror isn't for you, if it's too fun, if if it doesn't hit the mark for you, then like just fucking watch something else. Like you don't have to dwell on the fact that you were unsatisfied with your little viewing of it. Like just move on, mm-hmm. find something you like. Like I don't sit here and bitch about something for weeks and weeks that I didn't like. I just forget mm-hmm. about it. Like grow up. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think it's it just boils down to people think that they deserve something made to their exact individual specifications and that's just not like realistic it's not practical 
you know, it's like you're not the one that's making that movie. If you want to make that movie for yourself, go ahead. But not every movie is like that. And so that's why I try at least to like analyze and judge every movie based on its individual merits on what it is trying to accomplish. And I mean, if I don't think it's stuck the landing, then I'll say that. But I'm not going to say this movie is shit because, you know, just because I didn't like it because it didn't suit my individual needs. But anyway, that's that's a separate rant. But I mean, as far as what VHS 99 is trying to accomplish, I think it does that. I think it definitely does that. Sure, some uh, some of the segments maybe are not as great as some of the others, but I think that's just the undeniable nature of anthology in general, right? So I, w- I wanted to briefly talk, because I don't want to go too long, but I wanted to briefly talk about each individual segment, just, just kind of go over it, and uh, then we can maybe like rank ours, and then we can kind of talk about you know, the the movie as a whole, but we've kind of done that. I mean, I think it's a pretty cohesive product. You know, it addresses that like late 90s culture pretty well. Like, I mean, we were, God, I was like, I don't know, six, six or seven, I think, like around the time this is set. So I, I remember some things, but I think it captures it pretty well. You know, you got like the whole, um, kind of like Par- Paramore-esque band thing in that first segment. Well, emo, scene weenie kids, like... Yeah. Let's, so let, let's, let's talk about that segment uh, first, since I mentioned it. But, um, yeah, just in general, I mean, you got the whole, like, Y2K thing and, and shit like that. But I think the, f- the first segment definitely captures sort of the, the, the music scene of that era very well. Uh, I will say it's probably one of my least favorite segments of the film. Maybe not like, I don't know. It's hard for me to rank them. Maybe not like all the way down at the bottom, but it's still a decent segment, I think, but but not the the best for me. I think it could have been a little more suspenseful, but um, like the practical creature effects were awesome. And in general, it was a pretty pretty well done segment. I thought it was okay. I just like it was kind of predictable. Like you knew what was going to happen. Like, and you knew yeah. like the little um, the guy that they kept making fun of was going to like, you know, be the last one to bite the dust or whatever mm-hmm. because like he wasn't being disrespectful like they were and like I don't know. It just seemed like cringy teenagers. Like, and they they portrayed them accurately because I was extremely annoyed with all of them. I thought they were immature and I was rooting for them to die. I loved. I loved the boots if you want to call them that or the like mm-hmm. the the ghosts of like the the former bandmates um i thought they were pretty badass uh it wasn't my least favorite segment but it wasn't up there with like my favorite segments um i thought it was fine it was just a little predictable the practical effects were pretty nice a couple cheesy moments but you know that's a given it's the 90s apparently mm-hmm. or it's supposed to be and uh I don't know. The teenagers were annoying and I'm glad they got killed. That's all I can really take away from that segment other than like I like the the effects and I like I like the um I like the setting. I like where they were at. It reminded mm-hmm. me of ter- Terrifier. You know what I mean? It was just in like this little dark area and yeah. Shit's about to go down. That's that was basically the the premise of it. All right, some sh- bad shit happened here. We're going to go down here and try to fuck with things we shouldn't fuck with and shit's going to mm-hmm. go down. Like that was that was it. Yeah, exactly. I I think what could have potentially made that particular segment better is possibly just not 
given us so much of the monsters. You know, people will say this. I mean, I know for VHS, it's become uh, somewhat customary just because you want to show off like your practical effects and stuff in, in a very limited amount of time. But I think if they had ramped up the suspense a little bit more by only just giving us peaks at the monsters, I think that would have made it a little scarier, a little bit more effective. But uh, it was still it was still cool to showcase that. Um, my and my other main thing was just I feel like the editing for that particular segment was just a little too choppy, choppy, erratic because you know you're trying to like mix in this like I don't know music video style stuff and then you got the like static screens and all that. It was just a little too much in my personal opinion. Um, that also if they had kind of focus that down a little bit more. I think I could have made it a little bit better, but it was a fine segment. My favorite part was probably the end where, you know, the, uh, like the wannabe, like the kids were like all chopped up into pieces and reanimated and like playing. That was, that was kind of cool. That was disturbing. That was for sure. The best part of the segment, other than the practical creatures. Mm -hmm. So that one, I don't know. I would say that one's probably like my least favorite segment, but say it's my second um, second least favorite okay. probably but it wasn't bad um next up we had johannes or johannes roberts uh suicide bid so this one concerns a, a girl who is uh, trying to join a sorority at her college and they go through this like hazing ritual where they make her go into a coffin at a graveyard and essentially be buried alive and they do, they do bury her alive, not under much dirt, but they do. And there's this whole legend associated with it about uh, Guiltine, who was this girl who also kind of suffered the same thing, but she ended up, um, go, like, she didn't die, but she, like, went missing or something, right? Like, she crawled away or, like, it was... On her. That was the yeah, thing. They never found her. It was her like she own. was sucked into hell or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. What I thought was going to happen was I thought the exact same thing was going to happen to the new girl, and I thought it had something to do with the police. I thought mm-hmm. the girls that buried her were going to run away, and it turns out the cops were like serial killers that were like taking these girls that were being mm-hmm. hazed. That would have been a nice route to go, I think. Like if the cops just yeah. like took her and like just killed her right there and just dragged her body away, then the girls came back, and then they woke up in the coffins, and it was like him, mm-hmm. and he put them in there. That would have been pretty cool, I thought. But the whole yeah. guillotine thing... I thought it was pretty... I did not... The practical effects of Guillotine were kind of like the first Evil Dead. It seemed like mm-hmm. it was a puppet. You know what I mean? Just like with... Uh, yeah. With what's her name? Uh, when... Was it Cheryl? Yeah, Cheryl. Yeah. It seemed, yeah. She looked like the Cheryl puppet from Evil Dead 1. Kind of. Obviously a little uh, more polished. A little, little better, but um, I didn't mind it too much. I think the actual short was was pretty cool. The whole coffin aspect being buried alive definitely worked uh you know gave you that claustrophobia i think and then like seeing that the rain was coming down and she was getting covered by the rain was definitely suspenseful um i wasn't i don't know still if i like love how it played out i was kind of expecting it i was thinking like you know guillotine was gonna come and like take her away and all that um, and like get the girls. So I, I was kind of expecting the guillotine thing. Uh, so I guess in that aspect, it was a little predictable, but, 
um, I thought it was overall like a pretty cool segment. You know, it, it all took place over the course of like this little bit of time um, in this graveyard, which is always a cool setting. And it was like fairly original, maybe not like the most original story, but it had a cool like mythology surrounding the whole guillotine legend and how it played out was was kind of all right. Um, guillotine herself wasn't bad. I think the face was a little distracting because it was like so wild and animated and i I would have liked i would have liked it to be a little more gnarly i would say um and then like the actual girl's um makeup at the end where it's revealed that she's like that was also whatever i enjoyed it that was kind of nice i just thought it was going to go a different route like why would guillotine like take her when like she's right, a victim, because she's kind of like in the same was. situation. Exactly, yeah. I thought that was kind of lame. That that was my only real like big gripe with that one. Uh, I will say, also just the fact that like it wasn't particularly twisty or surprising. Not that it has to be. I mean, you can. I mean, VHS is full of like shorts that are still really good and effective, and they're not like twisty turny. You know, like they're straightforward. It's all about how you execute that story, um, but. Like you said, you kind of expected something a little bit different. I also expected something maybe a little more, I don't know, logical, I guess, concerning the whole guillotine and, and the girl thing. But, I mean, it is what it is. I, I think it was a pretty good segment. Um, it's kind of like right in like the middle for me. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I, compare- That's, I, I exactly put it right in the middle, honestly. Yeah. It wasn't like great and it didn't like suck, so yeah yeah exactly so there was that one next up we had uh ozzy's dungeon which was pretty cool um shout out to that one for like repping detroit although i don't know if it repped us in like the best way <laughs> but but it yeah did. um I, I i i don't know i don't know <laughs> it was just yeah. like it made the detroiters seem like a little bit like greedy and fucking like mm-hmm ignorant and all that stuff and like loud like yeah yeah i don't i don't think that was the (laughs) the best representation of us yeah but that one essentially uh that's the sort of game show one that we were referring to earlier where um it very much kind of like you know that legend of the hidden temple it revolves around a game show uh called ozzy's dungeon where these kids have to go through all these obstacles and stuff and the last like big obstacle is like them i don't know it was kind of like weird like crawling through ozzy's fucking innards or something like going through his poop shoot and shit i'm like okay that was really weird and like yeah the the the, what the leg breaking was fucking gnarly and it sent me into like ptsd mode oh for you especially i i can understand (laughs) except mine didn't break skin like that but it was still gnarly nonetheless and I don't like how when they, like, kidnapped the host and, like, he was in the basement, like, they're like, look at her leg. And, like, sh- her leg was all, like, decomposed and whatnot. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, n- they would not let that happen. Come on. Yeah, no. I guess we're not really meant to uh, assign a whole lot of logic to it, especially because it is Flying Lotus. I haven't seen a lot of his other works um, in full, but I am aware that Flying Lotus produces some, like, really fucking off the wall shit just like completely completely wild type of uh like filmmaking like uh he did i'm trying to like look it up here 
I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen any of it, but he's done uh, this movie called Kuso, which all I know about it is that it's like really, really strange. And um, that was mainly it besides VHS 99. And he's done like some other, he's composed for a bunch of stuff. I know he's a musician. Yeah, he's a, he's a composer as well. So he's worked on like that Yasuke um, animated show on Netflix and a bunch of other stuff. But um, his actual movies, like his filmmaking style is very uh, out there. Avant-garde. Yeah, kind of avant-garde, like kind of crazy. Like you've, uh, if you've seen that like Haosu movie, kind of shit like that, like the sort of like like weird Japanese style, um, like sci-fi kind of horror stuff. So Ozzy's Dungeon, I think, is very much in line with his particular style. So if you like that type of stuff, I mean, you'll you'll probably like this because it goes all over the place. Like it starts at the Ozzy's Dungeon. You know, this kid breaks her leg and everybody's like kind of shocked. But the game show host is going like, oh, oops, like, oh, wow, like that's a that's a weird Bob. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was weird how, like, when they went back so she could make her wish, she talked mm-hmm. to, like, that bloated woman that was harboring a demon in her stomach. Mm-hmm. And then what did the girl wish for? I didn't understand. Like, she wished for her family to die. I don't know. Yeah, the the here the thing I got from it is, uh, well, first of all, I want to say the whole, like, creature uh, design, like, when it popped out of the woman there was pretty cool, you know, pretty cool. Um, but the the thing the way that i interpreted it was like maybe she was miffed against her parents for putting her on the game show like in general like at first but it kind of seemed like she wanted to be there from the beginning so i don't know i feel like she would be pissed off at the host and like the people who produce the show more so i don't know if that's nitpicking or if that's not you know the correct interpretation but I what I got from it is she was pissed at her parents for even like putting her through that in the first place because it seemed like they were kind of like pushing her to be on the show to get the money or something but seemed that way yeah I mean that's the only thing that makes sense other than that because if they just went with the route like she just said fuck my parents let's kill them like were you mad at them for torturing the game show host who was the reason you broke your leg or you mad at them for other reasons not explain that we were supposed to infer you know what I mean well Mm -hmm. honestly man like if I'm gonna okay, so far, how mm-hmm. would you rate you out of these? How would you rank yours? Because out of these three, I liked Suicide Bid, and then Shredding, and then Ozzy's Dungeon. So Ozzy's Dungeon is like your least favorite. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Ah, oh, man, I don't know. It's it's tough for me because like the next two are are pretty good but i'm not sure like i don't know for sure where i rank the next one i guess i haven't thought about this enough i liked ozzy's dungeon i think there were some cool concepts but it it definitely felt very kind of all over the place yeah Mm -hmm. i felt like i felt the execution was weird and i felt like Mm -hmm. they didn't know where to go with it so they just went the the shock route and like oh we'll kill her whole family like I, i felt like it was kind of a little cop out but like I, the, but that's the reason why the VHS movies have like five segments. It's because like mm-hmm. even if you don't like three of them, you might like two of them or one of them. And if you liked one, then yeah, then the chances are if the last if the last one was the one you liked, it's going to leave a good impression on you. Yeah, exactly. 
And I think that's what they did with this one, but we're getting to that. Um, this one, though, I would put it probably like, I don't know, maybe my second least favorite. Like maybe, I, I, I think that first segment, the um, shredding, maybe I liked a little bit less just because this one at least had some pretty cool original ideas and it did have that shock factor for me, even though I wasn't totally thrilled with like the structure and, and some of those kind of like logic decisions or whatever, but I mean, like character decisions. Um, but I, I think it had like some good things going for it. So that's where I would probably rank it. And then it's kind of a toss up for me between that suicide bid and Gawkers for like second and third place, but we'll, we'll get to that. So we'll talk about Gawkers. Um, this one is directed by Tyler McIntyre and essentially revolves around some like teen boys. If, if you're our age or a little older, you've probably been there. If you're, if you're a guy, um, like three or four, I think, or five teen boys who are just total pervs, probably all virgins. I mean, let's be honest, but they're 100%. They were like, it was kind of creepy, honestly. I was like, I not know. to be like that guy. I'm not trying to be like white knight or whatever, or like woke, but like that was very gross behavior. Honestly, mm-hmm. I did not engage in behavior like that. I, and I hung out with you when we were kids. We did not do shit yeah. like that. No, we didn't. Uh, th- Those guys kids, are kind of fucking losers, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. These, yeah, these guys are total assholes, like creeping on women, like like in bikinis, swimming in the pool and stuff, just because they were like fucking horny. Um don't encourage that, but that's what they were doing. And I guess they got their comeuppance because they discovered this like hot neighbor and they were like basically checking her out from afar. And then they realized that she's not quite what she appears to be. And so like they were like peeping on her and then like they get the little brother to like install a spyware program because she saw him like skating or whatever. And she's like, can you help me set up my webcam? Mm -hmm. And I think she knew what she was doing. And because mm-hmm. she knew the kids were pervert on her because she's a supernatural entity, one of the oldest ones, apparently, right? Mm-hmm. And then they fucking set it up, and then she starts, like, her arm starts popping, and she knows they're watching her, and then we find out that she's Medusa. Yeah, or at least, like, a Gorgon. I don't know if she's supposed to be the one Medusa, or just a Gorgon, or whatever, but that, that was a cool reveal, I thought. Um, Some people that I saw online weren't super thrilled with the cgi snakes or whatever but i thought it was done yeah, pretty well. Um, i mean I, not the best but it, it had the same vibes as the the siren from the first vhs mm-hmm. movie like yeah. it was that was this movie's equivalent of that was yeah medusa was like the kind of like the siren like that was this movie's the mm-hmm. siren and honestly yeah that was my second favorite segment because like I like seeing them get their comeuppance because they were being fucking pervs. Like, dude, go mm-hmm. like turn on porn and jack off. You guys have computers, right? Like, yeah, get real. I know. Um, again, like I said, this it's difficult for me to place this one in that suicide bit because for me, you know, with suicide bit, I, I I like even though I had like a few minor gripes, that one was kind of like the the wake one for me from like VHS ninety four, and you know, I loved that one. Um, that one kind of reminded me of it. So this is either like second or third, but I love a good creature feature too. And this one was, was really cool. I like that they like did a creature that is not very frequently, uh, covered in horror in general. Like no, when's the last time you saw a fucking Gorgons, Gorgon? The fuck? <laughs> yeah. Never because um, like, that's not what people deem like 
um, as far as horror goes, traditionally scary. No one thinks mm-hmm. of Medusa or like, you know, that was like that's that one's a really really like old old like old fear that people had. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's like ancient Greek type of shit. Like don't go in the caves. You know, you might run into a gorgon. Like, mm-hmm. but I really like how they actually utilize the gorgon within this very story because um, it, it's kind of ingenious almost. You know, like the pervy boys staring at at a woman you know kind of without her knowledge i mean so having it be a gorgon is kind of like the perfect counterpoint to that sort of behavior in in my opinion and so yeah. i think it's super cool that they busted out a very underutilized uh monster and it somehow makes complete sense for like the moral of the story i guess um and even though it was a lot of cgi i think i still think the the actual creature reveal was super cool it would have been awesome to get like the full you know like snake body i think that would have been been really sweet um yeah if she was all scaly and shit yeah but but the the design they had was still pretty cool a little more practical i guess probably easier for them to to film it that way i imagine they didn't have like a super big budget or whatever that's probably why the cgi was there in the first place and didn't look like fucking marvel or something but um but it was cool i think the face also the the gorgon's face was pretty dope like actually pretty scary so overall i thought it was a an effective segment other than the snakes i mean you could like there's some stuff you can ignore for the for Mm -hmm. the purpose of enjoying the actual story and like the cgi snakes was one of the things that we could ignore and be like that was a solid segment i mean vhs is exploring all these monsters that like you know people don't explore like sirens and Mm-hmm. gorgons and like i wonder what's next because you know they're also releasing another vhs movie really soon i think it's yeah. vhs 80 something right 84 or 86 yeah something like that so it'll be it'll be cool to even go back further and um see what they make of like 80s horror movies you know like those tropes and stuff but or that that culture um but yeah i i enjoyed it my only real big gripe with the gawkers would be that i mean as short as it is you know you get you get the setup which is necessary of of them being creepy and everything but i still think maybe the pacing is a little off at the beginning and like middle of the film because you get a lot of just them being dickheads and then you get a very short amount of time with the actual gorgon yeah because i know it's meant to be a reveal but i know but like it's like the whole time the reveal wasn't like super like amazing or anything the creature was great like the whole time you're like what is she because you know they're fucking Mm -hmm. around with something that they're not supposed to be fucking around with like we know she's an entity of sorts but what the fuck is she Mm -hmm. yeah and i felt like they kind of it kind of dragged the it kind of dragged the reveal and i felt ozzy's dragged a little bit too that's why this had almost two hour runtime because the segments were kind of like there was a lot of filler i know i was expecting it to be a little shorter when i first like booted up shutter i was like oh this will only be like maybe an hour and 20 something minutes but they definitely padded in a little more content to sort of build up the stories, which I guess is fine. But again, like those two stories especially kind of felt uh, like like they were leading into it a little bit too heavily. And I would have liked something maybe a touch more succinct, even just give us like drop little hints about the Gorgon or something, you know, um, rather than it just being like, on the spy where like you see her the snakes in her hair it was cool but you know they maybe could have tightened it up 
a little bit. But. Like if like if we looked in her backyard and she had like stone statues of people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that, or in her house, if she had some sort of stone statues of people, then we would have. Then once the reveal came, we would have been mm-hmm. like, "Oh, hindsight bias," you know, like we should yeah, have known she that. Ha- she had some like statues out in front of her house or something, right? But they weren't like full people. It was just like little bust or yeah, I can't remember, but something like that. Maybe that was like supposed to be like you know Chekhov's gun. Yeah, maybe. But that one, that one was still um, probably one of the better segments, I will say. And then obviously the last segment was to Helen back, uh, directed by Joseph and Vanessa Winter. The uh, strongest again, segment. The strongest segment. Yeah kind of given us the well people were saying it's it gave us like the ratma of of vhs 99 and mabel we love mabel yeah mabel was definitely cool uh that was the same actress who actually portrayed the antagonist in deadstream so obviously they um utilized a lot of the same uh talent for this uh, vhs 99 segment that they used in and deadstream which makes total sense but um that was melanie stone as mabel uh joseph winter plays troy and then uh I, i'm not sure how to say his name so i'm not even going to pronounce it but um his his <laughs> partner nate um every all the cast i think was, was really good and that one um that one actually i think is paced super well because you get right away the idea of the segment, you know, these uh, filmmakers were asked to like film this ritual. They're skeptical about it. Um, it's like right on the eve of the millennium, you know, so there's all this like Y2K shit going on and and all that. So that stuff was actually pretty relevant to, um, to yeah. us because I remember my dad talking about Y2K and like everyone saying computers were going to come to life and turn on us like <laughs> on some Terminator yeah. shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll still happen, but it's fucking delayed. But um, it, it was an interesting idea to explore for sure. But then I think the the route they actually ended up taking was uh, very unique and, and very cool. And I really loved how it all came together. So these two guys um, start seeing this entity at the beginning of, of the ritual, you know, as it's starting up. And that was probably one of my favorite segments, actually, or not segments, but one of my favorite parts of the segment was when that like, kind of rogue uh demon or whoever it was was like popping out you know you see him off in the background kind of looks almost like fucking bagul from sinister and then he like pops out from behind the tv and then under the the thing that was re- that was really cool King, that shit was scary when he was like from behind the tv and then he yeah. grabbed the dude's legs or whatever like i thought i thought it was badass and then i liked the hell i liked how mm-hmm. they portrayed hell i don't know if was that cgi or was that a set like i couldn't tell I think they they did have probably a practical set with some uh, of those like like bone type um, things like set up throughout it. I don't know where the hell they probably went, but um, obviously like the, the background and all that like extraneous shit was almost certainly CGI. But um, I really like the the bear traps and then the tiny baby bear traps. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that was cool. It definitely gave off like a crazy disturbing hell vibe, you know, just like this fucking desolate wasteland. They probably filmed in like a desert somewhere or something and then added in some of those um those standing props and stuff um and then enhanced everything else with like CGI. But I um, re- I really liked the demons. I thought the demons were so yeah. badass and I thought 
that this one had the best practical effects. The demons were Agreed. fucking scary. They were scary as fuck. I just R.I.P. Mabel though. Like she got fucking planted by a demon that just came out from on top of the damn fucking cliff and just mm-hmm. planted. What I really thought was like really like funny is the fact that they there was pitchforks because you know mm-hmm. like how the de- like demons and devils are always portrayed with like the pitchfork like kind of like Poseidon and I thought that was pretty hilarious. Yeah. It was definitely on the nose, but you could tell, easily tell from that segment that it was made to be uh, humorous, you know, and, and just, oh, for sure. And just kind of just like, even though it's on the nose, it was meant to be enjoyable. Like that was the whole point of it. Um, and I think they accomplished that really well. I mean, just from the acting, from the, the, the pacing, like how fast paced it was and just, just the content in general, it was all pretty great. Like even even them interacting with the demons was was pretty funny, you know. So I I think everything pretty much in that in that segment really worked for me. I thought the dialogue and like everything else was pretty humorous, but mm-hmm. I thought the setting was like terrifying, and yeah. I would be definitely distraught if I ended up in hell and there was just demons walking around. And this is the feeding zone or whatever the mm-hmm. the hell she said like, and like there's like just demons eating like carcasses and shit like that. I thought like. The setting was scary, but the tone of it wasn't, which which is perfect because like you got a really scary ass like setting and like atmosphere, but the dialogue is hilarious because you know it's a VHS movie. Mm-hmm. It's very this segment was meant to be like kind of lighthearted, you know, a la Deadstream, and yeah. I thought I thought it worked out for the better because same thing with Deadstream, terrifying setting, hilarious dialogue, and mm-hmm. funny protagonists. I I thought it was a good mix because we love good horror comedy. I mean, Ash versus Evil Dead is another thing that get to write scary ass demons funny characters and they mesh well yeah i completely agree i I think yeah tonally it was excellent um practical effects the setting were all awesome and again mabel was was a great character definitely the least scary demon but um just you know from her voice to her like mannerisms and everything i think it was just uh very effective and and just contributed a lot to the overall enjoyment of the segment and i think actually i i didn't go through all the credits but i read somewhere someone said like apparently uh if you listen to the credits then like those witches um that were conducting the ritual were supposedly like summoning mabel like you could hear it like throughout the credits so maybe mabel will be back who knows we would love to see mabel back she was hilarious i loved her Mm-hmm. yeah I, I completely agree i mean all those characters were, were cool um mabel especially and like you said the demons were all very unique and and terrifying i liked that they were like kind of <laughs> um kind of odd in a respect yeah for sure that but that i think especially made them all the more terrifying because it's like you're not able to comprehend what you're seeing like with that one that was pretending to be a woman like screaming for help or something and then she was like this weird fucking amalgamation with like four legs or six legs or something yeah i I thought that was great and they didn't make all the demons the fact that all the demons weren't just red face and horns was refreshing Mm -hmm. because i mean when we think of demons red face and horns or bald with like really pale skin and yellow eyes or white eyes but these things were just fucking abominations (laughs) Mm -hmm. even though you do now if you ever um the hell in this uh me and Olivia were talking about it. The hell in this uh, segment looked similar to the hell in this game called Ag- Agony. It's a oh, PC yeah. and an Xbox game. It's called Agony. So 
if you guys have never played Agony, and if you haven't played Agony, you should check it out. It's pretty badass. Yeah, I, I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. So it it's on my list of stuff to play. I'm still playing through Outlast right now. Um, oh, the first, first one? one? Yeah. I'm like one halfway of, through. It's one, of the, it's one of the best horror games, I think, ever. Yeah. No, it's, it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, I almost don't want to play it because I'm like, God, I know I'm going to fucking... When Chris Walker, <laughs> you and you hear... Hey, piggy, piggy, and you just yeah. start fucking, and you know he's like, you could feel him on the on the hairs on your neck, like you can feel mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So yeah, um, I like the hell. I was gonna say about um, the only like real stereotypical thing apart from the pitchforks that you see in that segment is the, that like one glimpse of Lucifer kind of in the background. Yeah, and he's just like a the giant. huge. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Like even though you couldn't see him exactly, I thought that was like that would be fucking terrifying if you were there and you saw that in real oh, life sure. you know um so that was very cool so i i think this segment was also probably my favorite segment um followed by maybe it's a like i said it's a toss-up either suicide bid or, or the gawkers but i would say overall quality of segments in this one was good tonally they were a little bit different so it's it's hard to compare to something like um vhs 94 or any of the previous you know vhs films but i know a lot of people who who may not be quite into this style don't like it but i mean it is what it is you know you you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and so i like that they're exploring some different kind of approaches to horror with this one and and i'm excited about the next one i am too so like my final rating is to Helen Beck, uh, The Gawkers, Suicide Bid, Shredding, and then Ozzy's Dungeon. Yeah, mine would be something very similar to that, except, like I said, for me, that Shredding was probably my least favorite. Um, but other than that, yeah, very similar. And like, and I, I love that they they ended off with, with such a great segment because, you know, like, like you said earlier, and like, I think even Del Toro, I think, said this at one point, you know, it's like, um, you know, not every segment's going to be great, but if, if you're left with like one or two that you really like, that's great. But especially if it's at the end of the film, you're more likely, I think, to view the overall anthology as positive if you, if you leave it on like a story that, that you really enjoy. And so I think they definitely saved the best for last with VHS 99. And I think in general, people will probably find it to be one of the better like comprehensive VHS films. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the series in general is solid. Um I know people shit on viral, but I like viral. I I did like 94 better than 99. And my mm-hmm. honestly, my probably besides like the wake, my favorite segment, my other favorite segment was the vampire one. Yeah. Because it was different and I didn't know which direction they were going with it. And then they're just like a vampire. And yeah. I thought that was fantastic. And they really did a good job of like making it seem like we were in this dystopian time. And mm-hmm. cause I feel like that's, that's what it would be. I felt like I was watching something not made in our reality with that movie and with that clip. I mean, that segment. And I don't know. I feel like the last two VHS movies have been, have been solid. So, I mean, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, agreed. And I, and the the final thing I'll say about VHS just in general is that um you know they're kind of busting them out at, at a very quick pace and the the thing that I compare 
that to the most probably is like paranormal activity like the like vhs now with like how rapidly it comes out is giving me very much like paranormal activity in its heyday vibes you know we'd get like a new paranormal activity every like year or two and then you know people would eventually after like the third or fourth one then it'd be like holy shit like we have more paranormal activity movies coming out and by the time you get like seven it's like oh god like this fucking franchise is still around yeah but, but this but one thing- it's, it's not tiring because it's I don't know. There's always all the segments are different, and they're exactly. always bringing us new stuff. And it can't be tiring because it's not just ghosts, ghosts, mm-hmm. demons, demons. It's always something different. And I want them to yeah. bring in a different, a different monster next time. We had we had a siren so far. We had demons. We had a gorgon. And now I want to mm-hmm. see something something different. I want them to surprise us. Maybe give us something like a. I don't fucking know a mermaid or something like a merman or something. I was actually going to say, well, there's a lot of really cool cryptids to draw from. And I would love, love a, a segment that explored one of the cool cryptids, like maybe the Flatwoods monster or those like Fresno, uh, nightcrawler, nightcrawlers or whatever they're called or something like that. Mm. Or even like Mothman or some shit. What if we, what if we got like a skinwalker or a fucking Wendigo? I mean, we already had a Wendigo with, uh, with that one movie. What was it called? Antlers. Yeah. Antlers. And something similar in the ritual. I would really like a skinwalker. You know what I was actually thinking? My, my main one that I was thinking about is also very underrepresented. The Chupacabra. Oh dude, we haven't had like a Chupacabra. Like, thingy since that one viral video that came out when we were kids yeah like footage of chupacabra and like it showed like this demon and these mm-hmm. these spanish dudes were just like oh and they just ran away from it <laughs> yeah that's that, the closest that be, we got that would be cool i think there's definitely a lot of potential with with all of the um cryptid stuff and even just a lot of these like uh creepy pastas that have been coming out recently to um approach like a really cool monster that is not portrayed in horror like very often so yeah that i'm i'm definitely looking forward to the next vhs um for that reason like i hope they bring like a cool monster and but um yeah so that's vhs 99 overall i think a very solid entry in the franchise uh very entertaining and if you generally like the franchise or if you like um if you like anthology films, I know we kind of gave out a lot of spoilers, but if you're still here and you haven't seen it yet, um, even though we spoiled a lot of stuff, I still recommend that you go and check it out um, because it is definitely worth it. If you want to like, just have a fun uh, horror night is what I'll say. Yeah. I would say this is one of those Friday, Saturday night watches. If you're trying to watch something fun, honestly, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to watch something fun and you want to like, stay within the realms of like not experimental and not woke horror. Cause some people are like that. They don't want that stuff. Then, you know, go, go with like one of the VHS movies. It's safe. It's fun. And if, if you don't like one segment, you might like the next and there's always yeah. multiple segments and it can satisfy a lot of horror nerds. And this one was honestly six out of 10 for me. I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, I think I gave it like a three and a half out of five on Letterboxd. So overall, above average. Um, Yeah, really fun. So that is VHS 99. Um, If you have seen it, let us know what you think about it. And if you're excited about the next VHS film, if you haven't seen it and you plan on it, let us know as well. 
but um, we're going to take another very brief intermission and then we'll be back with our discussion about Halloween ends. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute with more grave discussions. Welcome back, Gravers, to the final segment of Grave Discussions, episode 102. So we just wrapped up talking about VHS 99, and now we're talking about um, probably the marquee horror release of October this year, Halloween Ends. And boy, howdy, did it end. Yeah, so... As uh, many of you are probably aware, Halloween Ends is, of course, meant to be the final chapter of David Gordon Green's Halloween legacy sequel trilogy. Um, it's it's kind of a lot. Um, but as you know, in 2018, he came out with the Halloween legacy sequel, which essentially retconned the majority, vast majority, of the entire franchise and just put us back uh to years 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 after the original john carpenter's halloween um following you know laurie and michael no longer siblings and michael comes back to haddonfield i know thank god michael comes back to haddonfield of course and um craziness ensues and of course laurie is now wary of michael and has still spent pretty much her entire life afraid of Michael and and trying to um, train herself to fight him off whenever she does inevitably encounter him again. And so that's, of course, the premise. And then, of course, he had Halloween Kills, which which we've spoken about and which has been talked about to death, of course, in the community. And uh, now we got Halloween Ends. So this particular film... Is it's an interesting one because kills, of course, revolves around the 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 crazed sort of mob of Haddonfield trying to take down Michael Myers, and Laurie is present, <laughs> kind of, um, as well as her her uh, daughter and granddaughter. And Halloween ends now, supposed to take place four years after the events of Kills, when Michael. Um, makes his inevitable return. It's weird that he just vanishes for four years because, like, after the mob beat the shit out of him, and then he got up and fucked them up. Mm-hmm. When he when he was in the Myers house, he killed Karen no problem. He didn't look hurt. He didn't look mm-hmm. tired. And then all of a sudden, we cut to him in the sewers, and he's weak and he's shaking and mm-hmm. he's dying. Like, because in the first one, he's like kills eighteen firemen, and then yeah. And then he's like, ah, 12 versus one. Now it's a fair fight. And now in this one, he's like, I have tetanus. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he does take like a considerable amount of damage in kills though, right? Yeah. He gets beaten down. He gets shot five times. He gets stabbed in the back with a pitchfork. Yeah. It's, it's still weird. I, I will say that. Like, I don't know. Did Michael catch COVID or something? Like, I don't. That's what, I, you know what I think? Here, here's my theory, right? 
I think Michael, mm-hmm. um, from the from being shot and stabbed and not seeking medical treatment, he's got some inflammation. He's got infections going on that have been persisting. So when Corey got his hand cut, I think they gave him antibiotics, and mm-hmm. I think he he brought the antibiotics to Michael because he's like, I don't need them. It's just a cut. And I think that's how Michael really got better, since they're trying to make it the whole he's human thing and trying to not explain it away. I think I think Corey got some antibiotics from Allison, and he brought mm-hmm. them to Michael, and he's like, here you go. These will make you feel hmm. better. Because the whole killing makes him stronger. Like, yeah. And it makes no sense, because like he was locked up for 40 years and didn't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out, and he starts murdering everyone, and he's unstoppable. And then he's in the sewer, and he's weak because he hasn't been killing people, but at the same time, the other homeless guy revealed whoever Michael takes in the sewer doesn't come back out alive. So he has been killing people. Mm-hmm. So like, why isn't he strong? Like what's going on? Yeah. Because he sustained in Halloween kills. His injuries were no worse than they were in the original Halloween In the original Halloween. Lori stabbed him in the neck with a sewing needle. She stabbed him in the heart with a knife. And then he got shot six times and fell off a balcony. That's pretty mm-hmm. much the equivalent of what happens to him in Halloween kills. But apparently now, even though he was fine in Halloween Kills, now in Halloween Ends, he's this decrepit mm-hmm. old man just living in the sewers. Yeah, I don't know. It, I'm sure that David Gordon Green has some explanation about that whole aspect of it, but it's definitely strange because even if he is like pretty human, I still think something is going on because here's the thing, like after four years, if you're human and you have the the kind of shit that michael has like what he's been going through like if he's had infections and inflammation and all that stuff and like been as injured as he was yeah and he got like shot like in the face pretty much i believe right so like no regular human being would just like crawl into a fucking sewer and survive for four years so it seems like something is supposed to be going on with michael and i i do think the prevailing theory of him like retaining his uh his powers or not powers but like his his kind of uh health i guess is that like you said he you know kills and like gets his kind of wind back but at the same time it doesn't really make a ton of sense um so obviously like with with that one scene where he finds Corey and like you know you can see in his eyes and stuff it's supposed to come off like he's I don't know, giving Corey some of his evil energy or something. It's very, it's all very kind of out there and strange. And I'm not sure what the, the, the best theory is, but maybe that's part of the allure of the film for, for some people. But yeah, it was, it was supposed to be like, he saw like something in Corey's eyes that reminded Mm -hmm. him of himself. Plus, like, if you remember what Michael looks like unmasked in the first Halloween, he looks almost exactly like Corey looks. But is Curly that, hair, angry eyes, no facial hair. Is that aspect of it? I saw somebody, you know, say this, but is is that really Michael's kind of personality? Like, is that consistent with his personality? He's never no. been one to like partner with anybody or even really give a shit about any other human being. No, because if you remember, even in Halloween Six, he kills the entire cult in the fucking mm-hmm. in the in the surgery room. He's just like fuck this, I'm tired of this, and he kills the entire yeah. cult. I mean, granted, he does eventually, spoiler alert, <laughs> end up killing Corey, but th- I th- that was almost like really an act of mercy, if anything, and to get his mask back, but he still technically like tag teams with him for a little while. I, so. I, I, 
I think at that point, Corey was still stronger than Michael. Because I think mm-hmm. Corey was going to be the new... I don't think Michael was the shape anymore. I still think he had his, like... I think Corey was the shape at that point. But I think Michael still had some of his strength because, mm-hmm. you know... Because if you pay attention, even though Corey was shot twice, fell off the fucking balcony, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he stabbed himself in the throat, when Michael was going for the knife, Corey completely stopped him. Michael could not grab the knife because Corey was still strong enough to stop him. Mm-hmm. And then Michael changed his mind and then grabbed Corey's head. Corey was still stronger than Michael, even when Corey was dying. Yeah. Well, we brought up a lot of interesting things. So let's let's really just kind of tackle this movie from from a high level because we can like sit here and, and kind of nitpick the sort of logical in- inconsistencies um, and, and character inconsistencies for hours, probably. I mean, knowing us and especially. You. Oh, for sure. But um, but I want to approach the movie at a high level. So let's let's go back to the beginning really um so the the film well marketing was telling us it was set like four years after and it was supposed to sort of address the covid pandemic which wasn't really a thing in the film at all um unless i missed something obvious but wasn't really a thing at all but you know it's, it's set four years later michael is is still in haddonfield but he's now yeah retreated uh, to hide in in the sewers and uh, like near like a homeless person's <laughs> uh, encampment, and he's he's weak, he's frail, but the 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 terror and the fear and the evil of Michael has persisted within Hanfield, and yeah, and people are committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like unknown murders going on, who we can easily presume is Michael, and the 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 whole town is in a state of trauma and mm. with the whole cory thing that happens at the beginning where he accidentally kills a kid he was babysitting the town is looking to blame someone and they're looking for their new boogeyman mm-hmm. and with michael nowhere in sight the town sets their sights on cory yeah so with this new character cory cunningham who honestly at first when i was watching i thought it was just going to be just a small representation of that you know like ongoing trauma that michael um really instigated but ended up being like essentially the central character for fucking two-thirds of the movie but um portrayed by rohan campbell Corey is is essentially uh, made out to be the new boogeyman who is giving off very michael-like tendencies or at least serial killer tendencies after his accidental murder of this young boy uh you know he gets out um a little while later and then is getting bullied and encounters allison who is uh, laurie's granddaughter and subsequently encounters uh laurie obviously they've all been through um, traumas not quite the same type of traumas but the film revolves around uh Allison and and Corey's relationship and Lori's sort of uh, involvement in their relationship. Lori, of course, still dealing with her her own issues regarding Michael uh, after these four years. And there are things at play about the grander sort of um, effects that everything has still had on Haddonfield. But really, the movie is is about. Corey, Allison, and Lori, and Michael is around, but he's kind of more in the background of this one. 
And so I just want to ask how you feel about that in, in general, because, you know, people were saying like, you know, this is the culmination of the trilogy and like the ongoing themes have really been about Michael's effects on Haddonfield. And this movie, it makes sense for him not to really like be around too much because it's really about how his murder sprees, his rampage and his evil have have created kind of a, a new Michael in a sense, because that's just how these things go. So how, how do you feel about that aspect of it? Because that's kind of the like, the big picture idea of this film. I, I didn't like really see it the way they saw it. They, for me, they saw it as evil can go from one person to another, the same mm-hmm. evil, but like evil's like never the same. One murder's murder is different. Like Corey's murder was revenge murder. Michael's murder was like no reason murder. I'm just trying to relive me killing my sister. So the fact that Michael saw Corey himself in Corey, I thought was stupid because Michael was the kid being babysitted and Corey was the babysitter. So like, that's a complete, like Corey's the antithesis of Michael. Corey's like if Judith killed Michael, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I thought the whole, like the evil's effects on the town, it was not. And first of all, we gotta, we gotta think what is evil? Does evil really exist? Cause the opposite of good is bad. Evil's just this like weird religious thing, like evil demons, you know, I guess you could think of evil as killing a baby or like murdering people or all that stuff. But that stuff is still like bad. But like this whole evil thing as if as if Michael's some sort of like, you know, if Michael's the devil and it's infectious and it spreads. I don't think evil spreads. I don't think evil's infectious. I think trauma spreads. I think trauma spreads and it brings ideas to people who Mm -hmm. who are struggling that if they commit these like atrocious acts that they'll feel better. That's not evil. That's trauma. That's post-traumatic stress. And Corey had really bad post-traumatic stress. And like, I don't know. I thought it was a real stretch for them to be like evil's effects on the town. It wasn't evil's effects on the town. And they're like, so it's evil's effects on the town. That's why Michael's in the background. But Michael is the evil. So Mm -hmm. why is he in the background? So it was not evil's effects on the town. It was Michael's effects on the town. Because I'm sure Haddonfield has other like murders and rapes and like kidnappings. And that was way before Michael. How come the town wasn't traumatized about that you're telling me Haddonfield was like this precious little town where nothing bad ever happened besides Michael Myers no it's about Michael's effects on the town and he's still around and he's in the background and now that Corey's like quote-unquote the boogeyman it's it's dumb because the town used him as a scapegoat it's not about evil's effects on the town it's about Michael's effects on the town and how they fucking projected onto Corey Mm -hmm. it's not evil it's the whole the movie's about projection, projecting people's fears onto one little scapegoat and then them being like, this is the guy, he's the new one, he's a piece of shit. And the fact that they had the actual evil that was responsible just hiding in the sewers, mm-hmm. like some sort of fucking ninja turtle, like I thought that was <laughs> fucking stupid and passing his evil around and evil's infectious mm-hmm. and evil spreads, like based on what evil yeah. spreads, then how come when Michael killed those four people in 1978, the evil didn't spread? Oh, because mm-hmm. it got locked away. And guess what? This time it disappeared and it was gone and it was hiding in the sewers and it was planning on sitting there and dying. Like it's make it make sense. This movie is about how, how like people get traumatized by one event, like, like the movie theater shooting. Remember that? Then people were Mm -hmm. afraid to go to the movies. The people start blaming every Tom, Dick and John, like he's going to be a movie theater shooter. We shouldn't Mm -hmm. go to the, 
fucking movies, this and this, and then, then the whole world is traumatized because of one movie theater shooting. No, because you know what? Shootings happened before. Just like in how in like Hannafield, murder has happened before. Michael came in nineteen seventy eight. Why wasn't the whole town traumatized? Even in Halloween twenty eighteen, the guys like one of the kids was like, Yeah, but didn't he only kill like four people? That's pretty tame compared to today's standards, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he went on his killing spree and they beat the shit out of him and then he disappeared and now all of a sudden he's the big bad. You know what I mean? So like Yeah. I don't know, because he had he'd been there before. He killed there before and evil didn't spread. But now just because he killed a few more people, evil spread. And because we had another person to blame, like Corey, the evil spread to him and it made everyone panic and everyone mm-hmm. was like super blamey with people. I, I just think it's stupid, honestly. I think it was executed poorly, very poorly. If they were going to do this right, Michael should have died in Halloween Kills. Agreed. And then this this whole movie should have been about Corey. And then Corey should have ended up living in this one and becoming like the new shape and mm-hmm. whatever. Laurie shoots him. He falls off the thing. He stabs himself in the neck. The cops come and they're like, he's in there. And then Hawkins goes in where? And then they turn around and Corey's body's gone. Mm-hmm. Like something like that. Yeah. I, cause you know, it's like, I mean, you raise a lot of really good points. Um, but people of course are like re- comparing this movie to season of the witch. And it's like it's nothing like it, that <laughs> in, in a sense, I, I suppose, because you know, within the bounds, there's like, there's like no Michael and like, yeah, well, in this time, instead of evil spreading with masks, it's through mm-hmm. trauma. Like, come on, yeah. bro. Well, w- within the bounds of david gordon green's trilogy i don't know i it's still kind of a dumb comparison to me but i guess in a way i can see how people are making that comparison but in reality you're right like if michael actually did die and in like this movie was the movie it was without michael in it actually and like you said Corey became the new shape i think that would have made a lot more sense and the main thing that i really it just still bothers me is that you know like there's this whole theme that that we spoke about that i mentioned you know people uh using to like justify the film okay that's great even if you know it's kind of weird but then why the fuck does cory die why 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 follow this character almost exclusively for however many fucking minutes he was on screen, like over a hundred minutes on screen only for him to die. And then the movie completely forgets about him. Doesn't mention him at all after that. And then just ends with Laurie and Michael having their little showdown anyway. You know, it's stupid. Like people are like, Oh, well, what do you want? Like an old Michael Myers and Laurie, like just squaring off again for two hours, like a la, you know, fucking, Halloween 2018 no not necessarily I don't need that to be the whole movie but if you want to explore this whole idea of you know evil lingering in in Haddonfield and its effects you know like years down the line or something I just think it could have been done better than it was like without focusing on this whole Corey thing for so long and you know by proxy completely fucking in my opinion just humiliating the entire character of Allison. If it were up to me, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about the Corey character in general, but if it was up to me, I would have made the Corey character very minimal 
And if you wanted to explore this idea of the community uh, thing, I would have done it with Allison as like the central focus and and her experience with the the city of Haddonfield and wanting to like leave it and how it's affecting her and how Michael is affecting her in particular. But she just gets downgraded to the late 20s, like emo teenager chick who's going after the rebellious guy with like obvious serial God, killer dude, tendencies like, like what the fuck it was is that? so weird it was like a weird fucking soap opera about love yeah for like a long minute and then like for no reason they brought in hawkins and Lori's like love angle and then they could teach her at the end but then they're like yeah but oh, alice and cory too and then like fucking cory and michael become like best buds and they like double team kill a doctor and like the yeah. nurse he's fucking but then all of a sudden, Corey decides, I'm going to turn on Michael because I want his mask. And then he, like, r- fucking middle school wrestling bathroom fight, <laughs> fights Michael yeah. in the sewer, trips him, and then takes Michael's mask and says, you're just a man in a Halloween mask. What are you going to do now? It's like, bro, if he's just a man in the Halloween mask, then why do you want the Halloween mask? Right. I don't know, man. It's I, I guess to, like, take on that fucking persona, but... Either way, I mean, going back, you know, I just think that this movie did Allison really dirty. I think it could have explored her relationship with the city of Haddonfield in a much better way than, like, the angsty teenager who just, like, latches on to her rebellious boyfriend, as I said. Like, that that just, I don't know, that, that rubbed me the wrong way because it's like, even if you've experienced this trauma, that's just a really strange way to, like, approach her character arc. I think it could have been just just done much better, like in a in a more sophisticated way, in a way that explored that idea of evil in Hanfield, uh, just in a better way, instead of like pinpointing it onto this Corey character, which you don't even see it that much. I mean, you see, you know, him getting bullied by those kids, and then you see his encounter in the club with like the the mom and dad or whatever. And uh, that's, really I, it. Was, that's really it. That's really it. Was it was so stupid because, like, he's like a 24 year old man being bullied by the high school band. <laughs> Literally, yeah. they said they were band geeks. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. And, and that was really it. Like, it wasn't really explored, like, much further than that, you know? So, I didn't really get that whole Haddonfield aspect with him. Um, so that was just really strange to me. And then Lori again, here's the thing for me, like people are trying to make these justifications about how it's a movie about Haddonfield or whatever. Okay. But, and like how it's about, uh, how it's kind of like Halloween three, but here's the thing, right? Whether you like it or not, this movie is, is still by and large at the end of the day, meant to be the culmination of Michael versus the Strode family, in particular Lori. And so relegating that essentially to the last 15 to 20 minutes of the film is just very odd to me. And I don't think that excuses like the rest of the film. Can we also talk how lame it was, how they like like dispatched Michael? They dropped yeah. a fri- <laughs> they dropped a fridge on him, they cut his throat, and then they cut his wrist. Mm-hmm. is that really all it took he got stabbed in the spine with a pitchfork and he got shot five times but yeah the know. old the, the old throat slice and fucking emo thing <laughs> yeah this movie him. had a lot of fucking like stereotypical 
emo characteristics to it. I, I don't get that. But uh, that was weird. The whole like fight could have been uh, more enticing. I guess, though, at when you really step back and look at it, it was basically uh, a, a kitchen brawl between two like geriatrics. Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean... I will forever love her and her contributions to horror and, and the character of Laurie Strode. But if we're being completely blunt, which you know that we have to be, that is what that entire scrap boils down to. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, dude, like, I don't know. I felt like the whole scrap was very, she even said it was going to be, she, Laurie's not mm-hmm. expecting it. It's more gritty. It's more this, it's more that dude. She like dispatched him mm-hmm. really quick. Like, yeah. And then Allison is like the deus ex machina coming in at the end to sort of help. Breaking his arm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was strange to me. I feel like she could have been there longer and actually had some sort of like prolonged presence in that entire like scene. And it maybe would have been more effective. But then she comes in stomping into the house after her like breakup with Corey, you know, her like teen angsty teen breakup with Corey, and then just like breaks michael's arm and i don't know it was just very odd and then the whole like um the whole fucking parade of like strapping him to the car hood and and like taking him around town and shit was like he was a fucking christmas tree (laughs) yeah that was and how was the whole town stupid man i don't know that was weird that was like kind of a little too hammy for me you know it was smart that they disposed of the body, but if they mm. were going to end it on such a shitty note, here's what should have happened. Lori tries to roll Michael in. Michael wakes up, grabs the side of the car crusher, grabs her, tries to pull her in. Mm-hmm. The townsfolks run up. They grab Lori. They're kicking Michael. As they're kicking Michael, he grabs a bunch of them by the leg and pulls them in. They start getting shredded. Everyone starts screaming. Michael's about to pull Lori in, and as he's about to, Allison grabs a fucking pistol off one of the deputies and shoots Michael right in the forehead, and then Michael falls in to the thing. And then mm-hmm. Lori, like, climbs out, and then there's just, like, limbs and all that shit of, like, the nine people that got pulled in, and everyone's just, like, screaming and freaking out. Mm-hmm. And I guess then, I, I guess I understand, kind of, they were trying to throw it back to, you know, the 78 movie with the whole, like, kitchen scene, because that was kind of, like, a part of, of, of that film, and so I, I guess they were trying to kind of make it go full circle, but what you just described already sounds like more enthralling for me. Yeah, I would have like gave us a little adrenaline rush and it would have been satisfying because, oh my God, is he going to pull Lori in? Because he just pulled in nine other people that were mm-hmm. kicking him in the face. Oh my God, he's about to pull Lori in and then boom, headshot. And then he falls back and just gets grinded up into mush. Yeah. So, I mean, it just here's the thing for me, you know. I know you can't always like listen to the marketing. You can't trust all that stuff and everything like that. Like you got to take the movie on its own merits. And, and, and I am trying to, um, but like I said, people are trying to excuse some of this stuff as, you know, this movie wasn't really supposed to like, just be about Lori and Michael. But in my opinion, that was kind of like, it would make sense that that would be, (laughs) yeah, it was, that's how it was marketed. And like, just like, narratively like canonically and thematically that is what makes sense for me at least as far as like capping off this this franchise this whole story of like Lori and michael because i mean at the end of the day it's kind of like their send-off and then allison like goes away and stuff but 
like the actual events that occur throughout the movie don't really offer that you know what i mean like it's it's largely about Corey, and then he fucking dies and then is never referred to again and then like that's it for for his character for that entire storyline and then it's like oh yeah right like we're a laurie and, and michael movie and like this is supposed to be the end of their saga so okay let's like throw in a nostalgic kitchen fight and then uh oh like oh they have to dispose of his body somehow like what do you mean you don't have a trash like a car compactor in the fucking house i guess we'll take him yeah. to the i guess we'll take him to the junkyard so it was just very strange to me you know like it was supposed to be, it was even said to be a more intimate film regarding like lori and like you know michael coming back and everything and i just i just didn't see that you know you could have totally had michael in the sewer and still skulking around and stuff but then like give lori and especially allison more to do without just being like hyper fixated on this one character that's given off michael energy and then just like dies those are so those are my thoughts about that whole thing yeah, I really don't have much else to add to that because I gave all my feelings on it. And the fact that fucking Corey was dispatched so easily by himself and by... Lo- he got triple teamed by Laurie, mm-hmm. by Michael, and himself, which makes me think, damn, he probably was, like, pretty strong. Like, he was probably becoming the shape. But I thought it was pretty weird that, like, he got shot in the shoulder twice and then fell off a balcony. And then he just took off the mask and was like, let me reveal myself to Laurie mm-hmm. and go on my evil james bond villain rant (laughs) yeah exactly well let's at least cover uh, a few of the more technical aspects of it because we have to um because that's where i think the movie at least succeeds in a way i will say as far as the story and everything goes it is definitely ambitious you know it's it's definitely sure and it's daring it's very daring yeah Uh, especially for a, a halloween film but um you know cinematography wise effects kills uh score and all that stuff i still think all of that works i mean it's a it's a beautifully shot film i mean i think it's like edited well and paced well the the kills are kind of hard to comment on because you know we don't get a ton of the michael kills and it seems like a lot of the michael stuff that we do get is just kind of meant to be a throwback like with him um killing the the doctor's mistress or whatever and pinning her against the wall you know that's kind of just like a throwback kill and then yeah i mean even like lori with the knitting needle is like a throwback thing and then Corey is kind of like the sloppy killer <laughs> the best the best kill and the best um example of practical effects for me was Corey. oh the radio Corey show killing host. the yeah radio show host willie the kid or whatever that was that was cool so i mean as far as like the 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 technical elements of the film goes i don't really think there were too many faults to to be uh seen with with any of those things it was just really for me it was the script while while daring it just i didn't i didn't take to it i think it could have been it could have been different and and not necessarily just like for my personal desires i think just with like how halloween 2018 and kills progressed i mean for for ends to be what it was i just think it kind of derailed itself with its ambition and yeah just didn't it, it just for me it j- just missed the mark like mm-hmm. i felt like 
given the story that they were trying to tell with this one, giving, given the, the conclusion that they were trying to signify to us, there is no way that movie could have been redone to like satisfy us because of the premise. The whole central focus being on this new random boogeyman mm-hmm. that the town, you know, viewed as like, a homicidal maniac, and then he ends up being the homicidal maniac. My take on it, check this out. My take on it is Michael and Corey were not responsible for the monsters that they were. Now listen, here's my take. So I'll bring something new to this. Okay. Make it interesting. So after Michael killed his sister, right? His parents took off his mask, and he was distraught in Halloween 1. He was scared. He looked scared. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, PTSD, obviously, Michael went catatonic. And a lot of people during post-traumatic stress, they develop psychosis. They start acting crazy. So Michael's in the hospital. He's not talking. So Dr. Loomis goes, he's evil. We got to get rid of him. He's evil. And so for 15 years, Loomis is telling Michael, you're evil. You can't be helped. You're evil. And then Michael starts believing it. So he's like, I can't change. So I'm going to become this evil. It was Loomis's fault Michael turned evil. Just like it was the town's fault, Corey turned evil. Mm-hmm. They turned him into that. He wasn't evil. He was distraught by killing that kid. He felt guilty. It wasn't his fault, but he still felt guilty. He felt like it was his fault. He felt like he was a monster. And then the whole town was just like, yeah, you're a monster. And everyone's telling him he's a murderer. And then he became one. That's that. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you know, his his is quick uh, sort of relationship with Allison I'm not saying that it, it it didn't make sense. I just think the way it was presented and and how it in my opinion downgraded Allison's character was just strange. But I mean what you said I think is completely logical and and I could see that totally being the case. But for me yeah, it just doesn't make how Halloween ends was executed better. Oh, better. for sure the execution was bad. Yeah. So I mean, that's what I'll say about that. But, um, you know, people are like, you know, maybe, you know, in 5, 10, 20 years, you know, we'll look back on Halloween ends and actually enjoy it. I'm curious how this movie is going to um, last, you know, what its legacy is eventually going to be and if our opinions will change on it. I think maybe if, you know, if I do like a back to back to back kind of, you know, a viewing of David Gordon Green's whole trilogy maybe my opinion will change but i kind of doubt it um and i'm i'm curious to like go back to this film in like five ten years and be like yeah you know it wasn't it wasn't that bad but we're already a couple years removed from halloween kills and i'm still not a fan of that film and i don't think my opinion will change about this one but i mean what what do you think do you think like uh maybe you'll find it favorable eventually uh uh i don't know i i'm not sure I just, it, I remember being so excited for Halloween Kills and then watching it and the dialogue was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Yeah. It was the dialogue for me. It was like, he he kills, he transcends. When he was looking out his sister's bedroom window, he was looking inward. <laughs> and like all that dialogue, everyone's talking about him like they're Dr. Loomis now mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yeah, everything was and just then, trying to be too philosophical. And then this one, the way it ended, it's just... Here's my here's my ranking. Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. The way they came out mm. in that order is how good they are. Like 
And you remember after Halloween 2018, I was kind of disappointed too. So like, yeah, this whole trilogy. But now look now the fact that I watched 2018 multiple times, 2018, I actually really like it now. I think really the worst thing about Halloween 2018 is the whole uh, fuck. I don't even what's his name? Dr. S something. Sartain. Yeah, I think that's probably just the the most egregious uh, element of of that film, at least for me and for a lot of people probably just weren't fans of his character of of his entire arc. But uh, apart from that, yeah, it was like actually a solid Halloween film. So unfortunately, I just don't think ends is is that. I don't know. It's it's just it's just kind of disappointing because like yeah. Myers was like one of my favorite movie killers, like slashers in mm-hmm. general. And I mean, as you can see by my little collection here, like I love him. And but I do not think the movies did him justice. Uh, mm-hmm. What what they need to do remake it except this time don't do it rob zombie style and don't don't follow the same route don't fucking give him a backstory Mm -hmm. just just fucking remake the first one but just tweak a few things just to make it like different you know like yeah i don't know it's hard because you know that they're not gonna stop making halloween films or michael myers related films but after ends it's just difficult to see what they do with it apart from a remake or something like a spinoff because you know michael is dead <laughs> Corey's dead allison went off somewhere i mean i don't think there's anything left for laurie to do and jamie lee curtis is is you know older now like i don't know how many more years she's going to be acting so it's difficult for for me at least to 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 see what they do with Halloween. So, I mean, the only thing that makes any type of sense, like you said, is probably a remake, probably in the style of the uh, 2009 Friday the 13th or something like that. I guess that could work, and then they could pursue something else, you know, from that, but... I think the remake should go a lot like this. They don't show Michael Myers killing his sister. They don't show any of that stuff. It just starts off with a babysitter. She's just going, going from school, going babysitting, it's nighttime. She looks out the back window. She sees someone watching her. She thinks it's her imagination. She starts checking the doors in the house, seeing if they're locked. Blah, blah, blah. She's checking on the kids. They're like carving pumpkins or whatever the fuck. And then one of her friends comes over. Um, Her friend's like, it's, you know, I invited a few people over, whatever. And then and they're just drinking, having a good time. And then one of them goes to like the garage or something. Michael kills them. And then Lori's just like, where'd our friend go? And then they go to the backyard. They start hearing like footsteps. They try to run into the house, but they lock themselves out. It's quiet. They're at the back door. They turn around after like running away from footsteps. They don't see anybody. So they try to like walk around the house get back in the house through like the front door and then michael pops out of nowhere pins him up against the side of the fucking house bob style stabs him to i think it should start off like that it shouldn't be any backstory it should just be like i'm going babysitting and there's a murderer like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah and we just get our michael fill that way that would definitely be effective i think um so i'm curious to see what what happens next because i mean halloween obviously is too successful of a franchise and and um 
and and too financially secure i guess to just like give up on totally so um i wonder but that's that's really the only thing that makes sense to me again if they didn't do this story and they did like a spin-off or something where it was a cory s character like becoming michael i think that could work but you know after this i don't know if something like that is feasible we'll see but those are our thoughts on halloween ends let us know what you guys think about it uh if if you have seen it if you have not seen it we pretty much gave the movie away but um I, i still suggest checking it out if you're a fan of the franchise at least to kind of get that satisfaction of at least ending the, the this particular trilogy um but yeah leave us a comment let us know what you think um and that's all re- we really have for you guys uh, for this episode so uh sam any final thoughts nope r.i.p michael myers and at least the halloween season lives on maybe we'll get mm-hmm. another remake or reboot or requel whatever in the years to come but I just think they should leave him alone for now. I'm just looking forward to the next Friday the 13th movie because the rights battle is finally over. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, Apparently, LeBron, I I think, (laughs) might have something to do with the next Friday the 13th film. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that. But uh, I think we were supposed to get more information toward like the end of the year about it. So I'm I'm still keeping my eyes peeled on that. And, you know, if anything, you guys can check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Of course, just search for Grave Discussions. You can follow us and keep up to date on, like, the latest horror news, what's going on with the podcast, with our website, and anything like that. Obviously, you can find us on uh, whatever podcast platform you listen to, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever, and be sure to give us a follow if you are not following already. So with that, I think uh, we're all done here, Samuel. Yes, sir. Well, it's been fun getting back to it, everyone, but we must go back into hibernation. Into the crypts. Back to the crypt for us. Yes. So... Until next time, fiends, I am Barnabas. And I am Samael. We will see you next time. On Grave Discussions. (laughs) Happy Halloween.